Hello and welcome to OIO New Game Plus. I'm your host, Tom Sidlachik, and joining me today are Hobbybox Joe Burns. Hey and Brian Camille. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, guys. Now, for those of you who are listening, you may notice that this podcast came up in your outside is overrated feed. So uh, let me tell you what we're doing here. First off, thank you for subscribing. I truly appreciate everyone who clicked the icon to subscribe and gets the podcast delivered to them every month. I can't tell you how much that means to me. What we're doing with OIO New Game Plus, this show is going to talk about a new video game release every month. We should be in the feed somewhere around the middle of the month. This show is technically a part of Outside is Overrated, but with the main podcast already being around three hours long, we're going to do this segment and release it as its own separate item in your feed each month. That way, if we talk for a long time about a new game, like it's not making it a four-hour episode that you have to get through. We're doing this because we hit our goal on Patreon of raising $125 per month. If you enjoy this segment, please consider backing us on Patreon, because it literally would not happen without the support of our backers on Patreon, which include Brian and Joey. Thank you guys so much. You're our f- welcome. Our f- you are seriously living month to month right now on Patreon for me, so this better be good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're our first backer, so, you know, if you're the first one to leave, too, I guess that's there's some cosmic poetic justice in that. Also, Correct. shut up, Brian. Our first title is Spider-Man... <laughs> Mi- <laughs> our first title is Spider-Man Miles Morales. We all came into this game from different points. Joey, you came in with a lot of excitement after Spider-Man 2018. When did you pick up Miles Morales, and how excited were you? So I picked it up right after launch um, of the PS5. And uh, I was super pumped to play it. I had actually, uh, I think it was early last year, played the DLC for Spider-Man. Really enjoyed it. It was hard to get back into it because you're jumping right into endgame content right away. Uh, But uh, so I picked it up right at launch. I played the first mission like the second week I had my PS5. And then it sort of sat there until a week or two ago. (laughs) But I was excited to play it. It just got distracted with all sorts of other things. Yeah, shiny new consoles will do this. Brian, how about for you? Um, I didn't even I didn't even intend on buying it. Um, I wound up getting it because I've uh, due to the amount of time that I sit at my desk doing patient notes, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, some other kinds of things. I've been helping people get PS5s. Um, I helped you get a PS5. Um, a couple of people from work and uh, another buddy of mine. I got him a bundle from Costco, which came with Miles Morales. Now. He had already bought the game, assuming that he'd be able to get a PS5, which was a huge error. So as his appreciation, kind of like, thanks for helping me out, he, he gave me the game. So I'd actually never intended on buying this in the first place. Um, it just kind of fell into my lap. So, And you never played Spider-Man 2018, right? I didn't. Um, the uh, I, I've, I've kept up with a lot of the different games that are like, say, Arkham Knight, that kind of stuff that's kind of built. A lot of what's been built clearly into this game is built off these older games. Um, but I just, Spider-Man, I love it, but it's just, it never really hooked me. I can tell you that getting into this game, um, I'll be playing that remastered 2018 Spider-Man. But this was, this was really a treat. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> I got Spider-Man Miles Morales as a Christmas gift. I was holding off on purchasing it because I was worried it would be too short of an experience or it'd feel too similar to Spider-Man 2018. So like, I was excited for it because I love Spider-Man and I always want more Spider-Content, but I also didn't know if it was going to warrant a full 
purchase for me. So it was awesome to get it as a gift and kind of take that decision out of my hands. The core gameplay for Spider-Man Miles Morales is similar to Spider-Man 2018. Brian, what were your first impressions coming in with a kind of a fresh take on the series? It definitely seems like the next piece of evolution from the Arkham series. Um, I don't know if you guys feel that way too, but like the combat, it's clear the combat heavily borrows from like Rocksteady's Arkham. Like it's it's really clear. And they decided uh, how to, the combo meter works. They decided to differentiate it by changing which button is dodge, which was a huge, huge adjustment for me <laughs> on the original Spider-Man. I think dodge is triangle oh, that's and actually, Arkham. Yeah, that's actually true. I didn't even think about that. So. Um, oddly enough, I've been playing because I never finished it. I'm playing Arkham Knight now, um, so it's there's a lot of of similarities back and forth with it. Um, but it man, it 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 definitely feels it feels very clean. The traversal feels very clean. Um, just just a really well polished product. That's the best way I can put that. And Bernsey, as somebody who loved the original Spider-Man title, how did Miles Morales feel to you? Yeah, I I thought it had a lot of the same really good feel to the majority of the game. And the traversal is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, graphically, especially, uh, one of the benefits of waiting a little bit is they have the performance plus mode now. So you can play it with ray tracing uh, in 60 frames per second. And that that baby just sings it looks so amazing running up running up like those skyscraper buildings and seeing the reflections is amazing but just like the general feel of it also of swinging through um it's so much fun and the combat is really immersive and a lot of fun i think like there's some cracks in this game that didn't show up as much in Spider-Man 2018 that we'll probably talk about as we go through some of the different functions in the game. And so I'm not sure if it's just because this being a smaller title and they didn't iterate off of that, or if it's really kind of the differences in what they were doing with Miles Morales compared to 2018. I'm not hundred percent sure there was some clunkiness here or there. Um, but for the most part, it was so much fun to play. I disagree with you entirely. This game was a masterpiece, and I forgot how much I <laughs> loved the core action. We're gonna go. We're gonna break this down into several different areas and go bucket by bucket through these. Let's start with Miles's powers. Brian, what was your take on the superpowers of this Spider-Man? Uh, have you both seen? I, I, I have to imagine you both have. You both seen Into the Spider-Verse, correct? You had yes. Those. Yes. Which was which was so incredibly well done. It's one of my favorite movies from the year it came out. That's how well that was done. Um, so just generally with that character, it's it's nice because there is enough differences between Miles Morales' Spider-Man and Peter Parker's Spider-Man where there's some similarity with the character arc and like how they interact with their world. But it's nice to see that the character does dif- differentiate itself a little bit from having its own skill set, like Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley, uh, Ben Riley, or Ben Really, Ben Riley, yeah, Ben Riley versus like Peter Parker. It's nice to kind of see that differentiation. Otherwise, it's just it's like you're just you're playing a carbon copy, and like too often, like when I when I play different kinds of games, you can definitely see like, oh, this guy is based off of Superman, or oh, this guy is essentially Goku. It gets boring real quick when they're kind of like that similar to one another. Um, but the game itself, um, I love, I love the more urban feel to it. I love the music to it. Um, 
the the abilities of Spider-Man, the electrical abilities, to be honest, completely overshadowed everything else in the game. So um, we're going to talk about that more when we get to gadgets, but I forgot they even existed and had to look them up because I used them so little. <laughs> yeah, well, we can have a very pointed discussion there. I loved Miles' <laughs> Venom powers, and like with the comics, I've always struggled because Spider-Man, when Miles Morales is Spider-Man, he's Spider-Man, but he's also not the Spider-Man that I consider Spider-Man. If that makes sense. Like, it's always bugged me that his powers are different. Like, he has the Venom Blast, and he has the active camouflage, and as just a Spider-Man fan, that always kind of bugged me, but playing this game, it felt so fresh and new and just so good, and I <clears> loved <throat> the Venom powers. Like, you can charge up a Venom Punch, and it'll stun an enemy, and then you can upgrade it, and it can stun enemies near that guy, or you can uh, do Venom in your webs and zip to a guy and stun him that way, and or throw him and stun other guys that way, and it's just... I loved the Venom powers. I thought it was such an interesting mechanic. And I also loved the active camouflage because if you screw up a stealth segment, and there are many stealth sections in this game, if you screw up, you have a little bit of... Uh, it kind of saves your butt. Like, you can go invisible and maintain your predator status. Mernsey, how do the really powers nice. feel? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, that was that was a godsend because you're going to inevitably screw up. Um, and it just resets the map for you. And that's that's just nice that you don't have to restart the checkpoint. It just naturally happens. Did you guys utilize the, I can't remember if it was a suit mod or which one it was, that basically whenever you would get discovered, it would automatically switch you into camouflage. Did you guys use that a lot? I wasn't even aware it was a thing. I would have absolutely yeah. loved that. It yep. was, I can't remember if it came with one of the suits, but it was basically once I got that, that always stayed on the rest of the way because <laughs> it just made things so much, it's so much easier when you accidentally go somewhere where you're going to get seen and then instantly it's like, okay, you blink out of existence, you can fly somewhere else and then they're just like, well, why is that guy laying on the ground? I thought I saw something, but um, I, I think, so first, oh, go ahead. I think that might have been a reward for completing the stealth challenges. I didn't complete all three levels of the stealth challenge. I just did the first one. It would make sense mm. if that was the reward for beating number three. I don't think so because it's it's something that you can swap out with one of the with one of the mod slots. Uh, because I almost did once, and I was like, "Well, I use this all the time." I just thought he just started doing it. I didn't realize it was that until I was looking through like what other mods could I use. But for yep, like the yep. Venom powers, did they call those that in the comic? Because yeah. that just kind of confused me. I knew nothing about the comic before the movie, so like, fill me in. Uh, I've read very little Miles, but I believe he like it's. They just call it Venom Blast, and I never understood why they called it Venom Blast within the comics. I'm like <laughs> so confusing with like the symbiote and Venom, and like I don't know. It like th that bothered me unnecessarily. <laughs> um, that's a huge <laughs> nitpick, and it's not with the game. Uh, but that just kind of was was a little wonky to me. But anyway. Yeah, I think the Venom powers, like the punch and the electricity and all that stuff is really cool. And then the way they mess around with taking that away from you at different points um, with like the different enemies' abilities to negate that, I think was really cool. And then you have to find your way around that to try to kind of use them again. Um, I also really like that, because I know one of the problems when we discussed about Final Fantasy VII Remake is when you're building up to do this huge attack and then you miss and it's just gone with this. If you missed with a like venom punch, it stayed there. It only detract subtracted it. If you actually landed the punch, which I thought was really cool because there's multiple times when things are moving pretty fast. You're like, I think I can get it. Nope. <laughs> so um, I, I thought those were really cool. 
the negative, and this is going to dovetail into our next topic, is I think those being so good and those being so useful were a detriment to the gadgets because a lot of Spider-Man 2018 was all about gadgets. And you could use these different things in different combinations to have a different build of Spider-Man. And with Miles Morales, they became a huge afterthought. You rely mostly mm -hmm. on the camouflage and mostly on the Venom abilities. Uh, and then it was like, well, maybe if this mission had a special objective, I would try to use something. Uh, or I'd accidentally hit R1 and use something, uh, or want to use the the webs, which are what I always usually depend upon anyway to try to like web someone to a wall. Uh, and, and then, oh, I threw something else instead. Uh, those just did, they seemed tacked on to me because the Venom powers were so useful and so good. Um, and I think that was maybe kind of a, a bummer for me because I loved messing around with all the gadgets so much in the first game. Yeah, I completely agree. It was one of the most disappointing aspects of the game for me. I really hated the holograms, man. Like one of the powers is you send in a hologram and it like it can fight and it can distract guys for you. And it's like, I used it a couple of times out of what felt like obligation, but I really hated it. Uh, there... I can honestly tell you that I used most of the gadgets, including the, the web, probably under 10 times each the entirety of the playthrough i can i can tell you that the gravity well was the only one i thought that was visually interesting but they you you didn't need to do it like depending on i play where disabling most things before i ever even before i was ever caught or having to engage in a lot of combat but the venom powers let you take down so many people so aggressively so fast What's the point in slowing down to hold on R1 to cycle through what I want to use when I've already killed everything two seconds ago? Yeah, it was, I think it, it needs to be balanced, if anything. I, I think the one benefit is like, so like the gravity well, for instance, that was really powerful because if you use that and could pull like four enemies towards each other, then you could do the like rising venom attack to hit yep. all of those. And so there were some benefits to trying to pull people together with like the gravity well to be able to do that. Uh, so I think there was some stuff that kind of worked from a synergistic standpoint, but a lot of the other ones just uh, like the, the remote mine one, it was always so inconsistent as to how effective it would be or not. Um, it would for sure take out the guy that it hit. And sometimes it would hit the guys around them. Sometimes not. It, it, it just so, so variable. It, it kind of was frustrating as to how dependable that was going to be. Were you firing uh, Especially mines? in some of the challenges. Were you firing remote mines at people? Yeah, so you could either put them on a spot or you could attach them to a person. And then if it hits them, it would hit the others around them too. Mm. So you could kind of do it both ways. I had no idea it did that. I thought you had to attach it on the like special points. Like There are different little electrical outlets basically you could throw it at and it would zap a few guys. I thought that yeah, was that's what I thought too. I thought that was the most useful of the gadgets. It's the one I use <laughs> most next to webs. I use gravity well one time. And it's like, well, I upgraded this. I guess I should use it. I just threw it out there. I'm like, oh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> the holograms were frustrating. I will agree with you on that one, Tom, because they just got in the way too. Like you would be trying to move away from a guy and you're bumping into your own hologram. Like it was, those were annoying. <laughs> I did not like those ones at all. Yeah. I thought sticking dudes with the webs was still fun. That was core mm -hmm. Spider-Man experience. Like that still felt good. But overall, the gadgets were a big downside. 
We're going to move from gadgets to suits now. In the original game, there are a whole bunch of suits to unlock. Suits have different powers, and you could take a power from one suit and cosmetically just stick it in another suit that you like the look of better. And it was one of the big uh, elements of the original title. They did the same thing in Spider-Man Miles Morales. Brian, what were your thoughts on the suits, and how many did you utilize? I used a bunch of different ones. Um, I really liked the Spider-Man 2020 suit, where it looks like he's essentially going to a rave. Um I love there's a there's something called Outrun for all of you out there that know it. It's very synth, like eighties kind of Blade Runner soundtrack feeling. And it it had very much that kind of appeal to it. Um so I used that suit probably for three fourths of the, the story once I unlocked it. Everything else was just trash. I'm like, nope, no interest in any of the rest of this. Except when he got his student jacket. I liked how preppy that made me feel, like I found <laughs> something. So I, I used that for quite a bit, too. Um, it was important to unlock them, though, just, you know, based off the fact that it was going to give you more mods. Um, and once – I used a lot of different mods uh, when it came to the suits. The problem was once I found out that you can use Venom Power and anybody that you hit with it then gives you life back, that kind of became overpowering pretty quickly. Um, I absolutely loved the Spider-Verse suit. Uh, the one that's based off the film. And uh, I had a, a little bit of a gamer date with uh, Scott, friend of the show. And he was uh-huh. explaining to me as we were watching the, we had put on that suit. There's a mod that comes with that suit that makes it appear as if you're in the the Spider-Verse film. The part that was super interesting was he explained to me how the game runs at a certain frames per second. But what it does is that every like 17 or 19 is a very specific number. It cuts that frame out to give that little bit more of a jagged kind of movement. And that's what creates that Spider-Verse effect as you're swinging through the city. So I showed my wife that the other day. And she's like, oh, is this based off the Spider-Verse game? Because she saw that movement. She knew exactly what it was instantly. And I really love they're doing some of the, the fan service nods to to us as we get to, to play this gorgeous-ass environment. Um Oh, Burns, by the way, real quick, I'll throw this in. I did not. I played it on fidelity mode the first time I played through. <laughs> so the new game plus, which I started a couple nights ago to get ready for the podcast. My God, my retinas were like bleeding as I was playing <laughs> this game. And I just feel so pissed off that I, I played through it without this effect. So Jesus, uh, I'll be I'll be going through a second time. Well, it's interesting that you brought up the Spider-Verse suit. I wanted to talk about that, too. They did something similar in the first game. They had an animated suit, which made it look like the Sunday Comics version of Spider-Man swinging through an Ooh. HD world, which I thought was awesome, and it was so funny, and I think they had special quips for it, too. When I tried the Spider-Verse one, it gave me a headache. Like, I just couldn't stand the twitchiness of it. Like, I really, really hated it. Interesting. Yeah, see, it that's... affects us all differently, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh... It's interesting because I loved like that comic book one or the old comic one in Spider-Man 2018. And I really liked flipping between lots of different costumes. I only stopped using the comic one in 2018 when I got to a really serious scene and I was like, okay, this is way too immersion breaking. I'm here having this serious conversation with somebody and I look like I'm a freaking comic book. It's like, nope, nope, nope. I got to switch. I had the exact Um, same experience. For this one, though, I don't know what it was. It, it, like, I, I didn't mess around with that as much. If I would get one that I liked the look of, I would basically switch to that, and then that was it. So when I got the actual, like, Miles Morales black and red suit, I mean, I love that color scheme. So that was my suit until I got, like, the purple and green one later. 
And so it was Purple like, rain. yeah. And so, and then it was just like, well, I switched into that one. I kind of liked the way it looked because his eyes glowed and stuff like that. And so then I just kept that through the end of the game and didn't really mix and match. I never even tried the Spider-Verse one. I have to go back and do that. Um, I, I need to play it on New Game Plus because I have to do that to get the Platinum. And I will at some point. But uh, so I'll have to try the spider the spider verse suit out then. Uh, but it didn't seem like the suits were as I don't know, and, and maybe it was just and one of my favorite ones you get at the end of the game, and and we'll talk about that also a little bit later. It's like some of the best stuff in this game happens after the game, which I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, that's super frustrating. Let's also talk about that purple and green suit a little bit more, and we talk about collectibles. And I'm very similar. Like I switch suits a lot in the original title because there were so many and. Maybe it's because Miles' suit is Miles' suit, and Miles is a relatively yeah. new character. So, like, he doesn't have the history that Spider-Man. Like, he doesn't have a Spider-Punk fa- Spider phase, and he doesn't have all this history. I swapped yeah. a lot in the original game until I got the negative suit, because that was black and white, and my favorite Spider-Man is black suit <laughs> Spider-Man, and that was the closest I could come to it. Uh, so I rocked that for a good chunk of the game. This one, I unlocked the Miles classic costume, and I stuck with that for most of the game. I tried the Spider-Verse, got a headache, said nope, and then I switched to the Crimson Cowl one, which I thought was just cool it had like a red hood okay now would you guys be more incentivized to switch suits if each of like say certain mods were only attached to certain suits would you be more interested at that point than switching and and playing that way or do you like the fact that any mod can go with any suit um i guess i would have went so i think i'm not sure if the suit mod was what made you go to active camouflage um because I think that's what I kept on him the rest of the game, um, but I'm not 100 percent sure. So it's a suit I don't, mod. It's a suit mod that you unlock. Yep. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. Because I think I would have kept that. So whatever suit would have had that, I probably would have just kept that suit then the entire time. So it would have de-incentivized me from flipping suits. I think. Yeah, and for me, it would probably de-incentivize me too. Like the having the mods that reduce melee or gunfire damage are super important to me because apparently I'm not very good at games. So those are ones <laughs> that I always have up. Agreed. So the suits still look cool, but it just didn't feel like as much of a, the experience as the first Spider-Man game. Agreed. From suits, we move on to challenges. There are three types of challenges in the game and three tiers of each. There are combat challenges, traversal challenges, and stealth challenges. These also carry over from the 2018 title. Joey, you were a big fan of the challenges in the first game, correct? Yes. Yes, yes. Did that carry over into Miles Morales? For the most part. So uh, I think it was interesting how they implemented it. It was really smart how they implemented it. So in the first game, you're tracking down Speedball, who's basically just this uh, social media junkie that's trying to get more and more attention. And so you're doing all these challenges in order to try to to try to uh, like stop her, which was fun. It was interesting in miles Morales, their um, holograms that Peter left for you to train you while he was out of town. Just a quick correction. There were three different like uh, antagonists in the Spider-Man. Oh, that's true. That is true. That is true. Cause the combat ones were taskmaster. And I thought those were a super cool setup. That's right. That is right. That is right. But um, sorry, proceed with correct. the uh, holograms that Peter Parker sets up for miles to hone his skills. Yeah, and I think the combat ones were very similar to the combat ones in the first game. Uh, the traversal ones were similar also, a little bit different, um, but for the most part, you're doing the same types of things. You're just doing a lot less than you did in the first game. Um, and then the stealth ones were by far the most frustrating, annoying, and just ingratiating 
like challenges that I've ever played in a video game because th- like it was such a thin line as to what success and failure was. And so much of the time you'd be doing something and not know that you screwed up until it's too late and not understanding why. And the stealth challenges were where a lot of the, a lot of the wrinkles and cracks started to show up in this game for me because I, that's when I started to realize a lot of the control issues because basically how the stealth challenges are set up is that you have to try to take out these enemies or do these different objectives in a short, in, in like as small amount of time as possible without being seen. And so it's all about because your camouflage only lasts for a certain period of time. It's all about being camouflaged when you know you're going to be seen and then getting somewhere where you don't think you're going to be seen in order for that to happen. And a lot of the times when you're trying to like attach to a very specific part of a wall or a ceiling, that targeting is kind of finicky. Once you're on a wall or once you're on a ceiling, trying to maneuver the camera and maneuver miles around is really finicky. There's times where I would attach to a wall. I would do like a thing where I would cling an enemy to a wall and then I would try to turn the camera and it just wobbles everywhere. And, and, and you're like, okay, I got to try to get my bearings like almost like seasick. Uh, and then you like the other thing about the camouflage, it was so maddening was that you would randomly just drop out of camouflage for no reason. And I don't know if I was accidentally hitting the up D pad button to turn it off. Or if for some reason, as you punch, you lose more of it. Uh, but, but it was so frustrating because it's like, okay, I have plenty of camouflage. I'm going to jump down, take out this guy, jump back up to the wall out of the way. And then, Oh no, you were seen. And it's like, well, who saw me? Like, tell me where the person saw me. Like you need to give me more information. So I know what I'm doing wrong because I think I have the plan, right? I go through it and then it just, so yeah, that's where a lot of the cracks in the game started to show for me. And granted, maybe I shouldn't have been the idiot that just sort of bashed my head against it to try to figure it out. But that's where it sort of, it really started to kind of wear on me a little bit that there's some like rough edges that they haven't smoothed out yet with the combat system and the way that everything controls. It's funny hearing your vitriol towards it when you spent like five hours playing a Fire Emblem stage. (laughs) That is true. That is true. Uh, But but that's something where trying to figure out like, cause that's all on me. Like, I'm making stupid strategy mistakes that are causing this to take forever. Here, I really felt like if the game would have let me carry out the plan the way that I wanted to and wouldn't have had these issues affecting my ability to carry this out, like, I feel like I had the strategy and the right plan. It's just the game wouldn't let me execute it. And so that's where the frustration actually comes in. Um, and, and it felt a lot less like this is my fault and a lot more like the game's not allowing me to accomplish these things because of bugs or just issues with camera uh, or issues with how the systems work together. Yeah, and I don't think you're wrong. I did one stealth one, and I determined that the challenges just weren't for me. <laughs> like, I did, I wasn't crazy about them in the 2018 title either, but I did most of them. I didn't quite platinum that game, but I got pretty pretty close to it and in this one it's like you know this isn't the part of the game that I enjoy so like I'm just not gonna do it 
And with 2018, it's yeah. like that's the only Spider-Man game on the market. So it's like to get as much out of that game as I could. And I love that game so much. Like I did things that I didn't like as much. But now that there's a new Spider story with a, like a new narrative, like, I'm like this, this just isn't for me. And I passed on it. I know that Brian, he did all. Well, of and it's like you said. Go ahead. It's it's like you said though. Like those were some of my favorite things in the first game, and so that's why I was like, okay, maybe this is just a bad stealth mission. The next one's going to be a lot of fun, and it's just like it increasingly got harder, and then like the controls and and everything just felt increasingly clunkier through those portions, and and so that's where it kind of got frustrating. The other ones I thought were fine, and I didn't really have a ton of problems with them. I screwed up a couple of times on them, but I knew it was like, okay, I. I made a pathing mistake when I was trying to fly through the rings. That was on me. Start over, you know. Um, but the stealth ones were really tricky. Yeah, and here I thought I was just bad at games. Now, Brian had to step away <laughs> for a minute, but I know that he did all of them. And he said that the hardest part was getting through all the enemies without getting hit more than three times. That must have been one of the combat challenges. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Brian has great twitch reflexes, and I don't know, he... They resonated differently with him than they did for me. I didn't even try this. I didn't like the traversal ones in 2018. And combat's fine, but there's plenty of combat and there's plenty of stealth sequences in the game. So, like, I got enough of the gameplay that I wanted just playing through the story. Another side... Yeah, and I... Go ahead. I I will say that the combat ones were pretty similar to the ones in the first game. Um, Like, there was one in the first game where it was similar, where you can only get hit X amount of times... Um, and so a lot of it's just about trying to dodge and then getting the places where they can't hit you. Um, and then trying to do as big of attacks as possible to disperse enemies. Um, so yeah. Uh, moving on to another optional activity. There are bases to take down in this game. Like another carryover from 2018 and 2018, uh, you're battling Kingpin, Kingpin in the story. And he's got all these bases all over town. So they, uh, took those same properties, made them bases in this game. And it was kind of a similar thing to the challenge for me. I did one. Uh, it's very similar to the challenges. I just felt like there were enough similar situations on the critical path. Like it was sneak around, take out as many dudes as you can before you're detected. And then, you know, it's a big fight. And it's like, you know, I find enough arenas on the critical path. I just, I wasn't super interested. Like I, these I liked more than the challenges and I'm going to go back and dabble some more with the side stuff and I might take down the bases, but it just, it wasn't super for me. How did you feel about them? Yeah, I, I really like the bases. Uh, I mean, as we had talked about, I, I did all of those in the first game, too. Uh, I think this one, they did a little bit better job of making the side objectives underneath there where you get you get more of the activity coins, or I can't remember exactly, activity tokens um, for doing certain objectives. And so those were always a little bit more fun and a challenge. And, and had you try using some of the different uh, gadgets in different ways or do some of the different attacks that you maybe wouldn't do, which was similar to the first game. One of the differences from the first game, though, with this is that uh, there's actually little chunks of story and character that you get out of it that you wouldn't get if you didn't do them. Uh, tying into the second podcast character, um, because she's kind of the one that's giving you the intel about these uh, bases uh, that she's resourced from other people. Uh, and you kind of sort of get this dynamic of working alongside of her, which is, it's just kind of interesting. And it adds a little bit to uh, sort of this, this podcast that you're listening to, to as the counter to J Jonah Jameson's podcast, which uh, Miles sort of said that Peter pre-programmed into the suit to always play. And he doesn't understand why he does that to himself, which I thought was hilarious. This game is so funny. Like, there's so much good humor in this race, like just moving around the city and going from bit to bit. 
Uh, Brian did all of the bases. He liked working through the entire place, taking out everyone silently. He thought it was one of the highlights of the game. Like, I wish that he was still here so that I could make him defend that <laughs> statement. But I mean, stealth sequences were fun, but I liked them much better, again, when they were tied to the critical path. And he said, you figure out what the board is allowing you to play with, and you just go from there. So, like, you, it's a little... It's a little environment within the sandbox of New York City, and you just kind of figure out what tools you have at your disposal. And yeah, I, I get the enjoyment there, but to me, that's like how all of the main encounters were structured. Like, you're in this little arena, you have to take out X amount of dudes, then there's a cutscene, and then, you know, I, for me, just didn't do much for me. So it sounds I like can, really, I can see that. It sounds like I'm really blah on this game, but I actually love the experience. <laughs> Which is funny because it's, I, I wouldn't say I was blah on the game. Uh, I'm glowing a lot more about things, but I'm probably a little more jaded on the game than you are. A little, not a lot, a little though. One more side thing to talk about. And I know that Brian wasn't particularly fond of these, but there are a bunch of collectibles in this game. Again, a carryover from Spider-Man 2018. In 2018, Peter hid backpacks all over the city with changes of clothes, and each one had like a little memento about him and Mary Jane, or a little bit of story back backstory. And they did similar things in this game. Uh, do you want to talk about your feelings on them before I go on a rant? Yeah, I think they were very hit and miss. Um, I I thought that some of them were some of them were interesting, uh, a similar in a similar way to. Um, in a similar way to the backpacks uh, in the first game. Uh, and you're finding like little mementos uh, or time capsules that you hid with your friend Finn ar around town. And I thought those were fine. They give you a little bit more of a backstory into your friendship with Finn before you ended up going to a different school or Miles ended up going to a different school um, and, and sort of losing that friendship a little bit. But um, the there's, there's an audio capture one uh, for for one of the characters that I really liked the idea behind it. Cause it's like, you're connecting with your father and you're connecting with like your uncle in this really interesting way. And I loved the story behind it, but the actual collectibles themselves were nothing short of infuriating to try to capture because you had to be, it would give you this sort of rectangle on the map of that where you have to go to try to investigate and like find this sound. And like, you're looking at it with like a parabolic mic and trying to pick out this one sound for this sample to go into uh, this music. And you had to be in one pinprick of a spot in order for it to work. So you're just sitting there wandering around this area, trying to find this one little sound of which you don't really know. It says you're too close. You're too far. And it's like, this, it was just stupid. I hated them so much by the time I was done with them. I think the other thing that's weird is that I think the best, the best collectibles in this game, you don't unlock until post-game, which is just why? Like, why don't you make most people experience this? Like, like it has the most kind of like character building in it. Um, and, and you like anybody could just play the game and beat it and then never even see that stuff. And I just like, I, I get trying to give people who want to be completionists or who really like the game and want to keep playing it some sort of benefit, but it just didn't make sense to me that you put something so awesome, like from a story standpoint, 
like after the game as an afterthought that some people might not even see. Yeah. I, I just didn't understand that idea. I don't even know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? What What is in the post game that you collect that is so, so memorable? For your birthday, your mom hides a treasure hunt around town. And you find out about Miles is that Miles' dad used to hide, like used to always have a treasure hunt for Miles on his birthday. And it was something that they did together. It was fun and so on and so forth. And, you know, in the first game, Miles' dad dies. And so, but he had already planned this treasure hunt. So his mom had planted these things all the way around the city. And so you're flying around, you're hearing your dead dad's voice. And it's just like, it's so interesting and impactful. And it's like, why don't you include this in the main story of the game? Like you're getting into all of these emotions of this character that you've grown to love throughout the game. And it's just thrown in at the end. Like it just, that it just baffled me because it's so good. And like, I'm like pissed because you didn't experience that. I thought it's like some of the best story stuff they did in the game. Oh, that's it's just silly to me. That sucks so hard. <laughs> and you were talking about the audio files like that. That is the low point of the game for me. Like these are 12 or 13 to find. And like, it is just awful. Like you said, you got the purple and green suit, which is the reward for collecting all these. I'm like, Oh my God, Burnsy is a glutton for punishment. Like (laughs) I just took a hard pass. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that suit would be cool, but you know, I'll just wear this crimson cowl. It's fine. Brian. I hated those by the end of the game. (laughs) Brian, what were your thoughts on the collectibles? I would agree. I feel like they're an afterthought for this game. I feel a lot of them there wasn't a lot of interest in me to actually go get them i i did all the audio files which i mean the first one took me i can't tell you how long because it wasn't really well explained what was happening and i'm like this kind of blows and i'm like i'm not looking up a tutorial i'm gonna brute force this thing over time which is kind of how it happened um also spoiler alert i didn't know miles dad died in the first game so i might not even play it now burns that's thanks <laughs> Thanks a lot. You watched I mean, the Spider-Verse, you, dude. His uncle say, died in the movie. Not his dad. If you played, if you if you watched the previously on before the game, it like that, that's like a major plot point, and he refers to his dad being dead multiple times in the game. So if you didn't I, realize it, you just weren't paying attention. I just thought his dad like had a second family that he didn't know about <laughs> or something a little darker, but death is pretty serious. So anyways, um... I, I don't know. Collectibles just in general. I'm, you know, gamers play for a lot of different reasons. Some play for story. Some play for pure gameplay fun. Some people want to, you know, they, they have that mindset of they want to do everything the game allows. Collectibles do that. Um, in a lot of games to me, though, they do just feel like simple, simple fetch quests that I don't have a lot of value to. Now, the ones that you're talking about with the dad, if there's a lot of background in the story of the relationship that between Miles and his dad... That does mean something to me because Miles, as far as his development as a character, is a very enjoyable uh, person to learn more about. That makes sense. Um, but some of the things felt, honestly, going back to what I said earlier about this kind of feels like Arkham or the, the next evolution of it in certain ways. It, it felt like all these all the Riddler trophies, like say in Arkham Knight, I didn't give a shit about them. I'd see them. I'd pass them. I'd be like, oh, that's behind a gate. Fuck it. I'm not going to figure that out. Moving on. Um it had a lot of that to me too. Unless it unlocks something really, really, really cool, I'm not one to go do everything just for the sake of showing everybody my gamer score. 
Yeah, I'm with you. One of the things I liked about the 2018 collectibles was that they had so much heart, like especially the backpacks. Like as soon as the backpacks were unlocked, I literally traveled across the city and found every one of them before I progressed anything else in that game because I love those little bits of like personality, dealing more with Peter and his relationship with MJ. And like they tried to capture that same magic with time capsules, but it just wasn't as interesting to me. Like uh, Miles and Finn, like they had a relationship, but Maybe it's just because I'm such a hardcore Peter Parker guy. I didn't care. I didn't care. Like, I didn't think they were going to have a relationship in the game. And, like, Peter and MJ just have so much history across so many mediums. It just, it wasn't the same for me. And I I feel like it was almost a disservice to try to do something similar instead of trying to find something that was more, like, just unique to Miles, like the treasure hunt with his dad. Like, they should have killed all the other collectibles and just done that one. Did either yeah. of you get Spider-Cat? Yes. yes, that's another thing. It's like at the end of the game that you you maybe don't even see it, and I thought that was awesome. Like that you have the you have the suit with the cat in the backpack. Like that's so with much the fun. Mask on the kid. Yes. I think it has a mask. It's the best part of the game, and it's at me. the I'll, end. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't even know. Like, let me play the whole game that way. That'd be awesome. It was so many curious decisions. Well, let's move yes. on to really the two main pillars of this game. I loved the narrative in Spider-Man 2018. I thought it told an amazing story of Spider-Man and it set the bar for superhero storytelling in the video game medium. The basis of the story in Miles Morales follows the young Spider-Man as he deals with a giant evil corporation, an underground terrorist group that's trying to make a name for itself, and a reimagined new villain on the rise. What are our overall thoughts on the narrative of Miles Morales? Brian, you don't give a crap about story, so let's start with you. <laughs> uh, you know, it was. I, I think it was. It was enough to keep me interested in what was going on. I think the relationship aspect probably was the most interesting part because, just like Peter Parker, Miles is someone that deals with self doubt and makes errors, and it's it's the dynamic of trying to figure out does the relationship that he had with these people that he's running into conflict with are these are these relationships that he have strong enough to survive the conflict that he goes through? And there's a lot of like um, of, of times where miles is trying to balance. Do you stay loyal to this friend or do you have to do what is essentially right by the law and by society? So there's that dynamic back and forth. I thought the main villain from Roxxon was exquisitely boring. Um, hi, I'm the, I'm the swaggy, cool, middle-aged white, rich guy. And it's just like, it, it it just seems like a trope. It just seemed very boring. Um, I didn't I, find him all that interesting I, at all. I disagree. Uh, I think. Yeah, I disagree a thousand percent too. I would say the <laughs> handsome, handsome Jack in Borderlands is interesting. This guy seemed like he was trying to be handsome Jack, and it just didn't work. It just didn't work. No, Handsome Jack is so over the top and like he's just such a character in a world full of characters. I thought this villain was in a very Tom-friendly mold. He was charismatic and he's ruthless. I, he could have used some motivation other than, hey, I'm the bad guy, but I liked him with the exception of his dumb face looking like Topher Grace. I'm like, is he going to turn into Venom? Because that's the only way to save his face. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. No, I mean, I would have liked a bit more, like Tom was saying, a little bit more, like, motivation behind it and maybe a little bit of a, like, this is how you can relate to him type of thing uh, in the villain. But otherwise, I thought from, like, a character standpoint, like, he was phenomenal. Like, just this this, this, this a-hole 
that you love to hate. Like just this swaggery douche that's just like like and, and the actor was just chewing up the mic every single time he was as that character. Like he just like rolled into it. And it was just like you are such a sleaze ball. Like Silicon Valley a thousand percent. You're like the, the like douche nozzle extraordinaire. And it was so much fun to take him down. God, you guys are two people that like Final Fantasy Seven, I bet, right? Is that what is, is that what the kind of people you are is? I would call it the second best I mean, Final I like Fantasy, all sorts yes. Of... Oh, disgusting. I mean, we did agree that Final Fantasy Seven was the best Final Fantasy on the Outside is Overrated podcast, the Final Fantasy episode. Brian hates good games. That's true. I... That's true. The three of you. Joey, your take on <laughs> the narrative. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, so I, I mean, I love narrative in games. That, that's like the main reason why I play games. I mean, if a game had more narrative and less gameplay, I would probably love it just as much, if not more. Uh, and so I'm a completely different gamer, maybe from what Brian is. Uh, I loved um, Spider-Man 2018. Like, I have the script <laughs> of Spider-Man, the video game 2018. Wow. Uh, it, it's like, it's amazing. And I haven't read it yet, but I have it. <laughs> I'm going to read it at some point, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And I think they did a great job with this as well. Um, some of the things were maybe a little too telegraphed. Like, it's like, I can see everything for the most part coming a mile away. There weren't a lot of surprises. You're just kind of like, okay, you're probably that person. And it's like, oh, this person's that person. Or it's like, the moment I see this one person, all right, you're definitely hiding everything from me. <laughs> so uh, so that was maybe a little bit too ham-fisted, but that's like comic book also. So I, I can kind of understand that, but I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job with all the characters, the side ones, the main ones, everything. I thought it was fun. I thought the narrative was just great. And I thought that the main story was on a par with anything else that Marvel puts out short of the Infinity Gauntlet. Like, that's how good I thought it was. Like, I could replay this main story again and again. Like, you know, the gameplay itself might get a little repetitive, but I just, I loved, loved the story in this game. There's also an iconic Spider-Man villain that pops up a couple times throughout the game. And I really like what they did with that character. I don't want to spoil it here because the game is still new, but do you guys have any cryptic thoughts on how they reuse that character? So I I was, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that that character is one that could have been really boring. Um, Because when you look at it from the, from the the comic book standpoint, there's not a lot going on with that character as far as um, uh, complexity. Maybe it's a good word for it. Um, but the way that they presented it made him super interesting. Um, and visually, and I don't, maybe you guys felt, uh, the same or maybe not from a visual standpoint, um, they really, really made that like a feast on the eyes. The, the, the design of it made it a joy with any encounter with this individual. It was just really pretty and really, uh, really unique. And I'll also add that this villain was in the first game as well and I thought the gameplay was a lot better with this character in the second one like it was kind of uh, it was very video gamey in the boss fight with this character in the first one but I thought it was just it felt like a more like real experience in Miles Morales like it felt more akin to the rest of the game as opposed to a special mechanic you had to do just to beat this one character well, and and it's really interesting because I really wonder, they leave like a little nugget in there in one of the audio logs where it's like, well, this is what he really wants, but we're not going to do it anyway. We're just going to use him to try to take down Spider-Man. 
And it's like, I was really hoping that Miles, since he heard that, was going to try to like accomplish that for the villain and like kind of release him from this just sort of constant kind of struggle. Um, and maybe that's something they'll do in the sequel um, that that'll kind of come back into play or something like that. Uh, but I thought that was really interesting. And they made a character that's just a, you know, freaking dunderhead for the most part. They made him really interesting and in, 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 in dynamic, which is cool. I totally missed that nugget. That just shows how much I pay attention to story. Yeah, it's like an audio log when you clear one of the bases. So it's it's possible that, that not everybody uh, would have seen that. Because after you clear certain bases, you go into a, uh, another room. And control then it, room. Yep. A control room, and then you can listen to the uh, Simon Krieger talk about stuff. Um, and that's one of them is specifically about that. It might have been that, or else it was in the Roxxon building, one of the two. I'm not sure. Very cool. The narrative was so good. The last thing I want to talk about is the titular character, Miles Morales. What are our combined thoughts on this character and his arc throughout the game? Joey, I mean, you seem like you're kind of all over the place on this game. What did you think about Miles specifically? <laughs> I really enjoyed Miles. I thought he was great. I, I was really excited. I, I loved Spider-Verse. Uh, that's really all the experience I have with Miles Morales, that and then the first game. Um, I, I've known about him for a long time. I've heard lots of people talk about him at being a character. Uh, I, I think it's really cool. And from like a representation standpoint, uh, it's it's like an entry point that some like a lot of different people other than just like three white guys can relate to him in a lot of different ways. And I think that's really cool, too, uh, to have a superhero be like Miles. I think they did a really good job of him sort of some of his banter, like where he's trying to be punny like Peter in order to be funny because he thinks that's what Spider-Man needs to be and he's just really bad at it and it's even more funny that way. I think they did really good with that as well as then his him sort of his sort of struggle throughout the entire game of trying to figure out what his Spider-Man persona is and how that's different from the original Spider-Man. I think that's a really cool thing that they play off of and that he builds up throughout and that pays off really well at the end. So I completely agree. Brian, what do you think? I, I really, I really liked what you said there about the differentiation like that. That was nice that miles is trying to figure out where he does sit in the world. If they were trying to just like, go, okay, you know, you're the, Spider-Man when Spider-Man's not here. That it could have been a really boring way to use the character. And I love I do love the fact that he's another representation that gives me people more people access or relatability to his character. But I think any well-written character is someone that really regardless of, you know, your gender, your race, your age is someone you can just you understand their pain, you understand the worries that they work through and things like that. And Miles is a character you generally want to root for beyond all those things. He's just somebody that we've all felt that feeling when you've felt, felt lost in the world. And he's a guy just doing his best to find his way through it. Now, the question that I have for my own self here, how much would I like this character if I had not been introduced to the version of him in the Spider-Verse? Because the, the, the version of him in Spider-Verse is a, a version that I, I love. I love how dynamic that character is. I don't know, honestly, if the video game representation of him is as diverse as that. Um, but I can tell you that at no point was the character flat enough or 
boring enough that I felt disengaged from the character. We've all been watching movies or you've read a book or you've played a game where at some point you're just like, well, honestly, I don't care if this person dies anymore. I'm out. Like, that's a shitty moment when you've invested a lot into something where you're like, I don't <laughs> care what happens to you. But that doesn't happen with Miles. You, you're rooting for him the whole way through. Um, yeah, I it's think, not like I think High he's a step in the direction that's great. Like what? It's not like High Garden and the Tyrells and everywhere else that George R. R. Martin sprawls. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So that's I think it could have been it could have been done poorly. It was done with love. It was clearly done with care. And he's a complex character that you can root for. And that when it comes to this kind of a medium, I don't think there's a lot more you can ask than than just those properties. I think it's really interesting the approach they took between the two games because in Spider-Man 2018, they don't start with Peter getting bit by the spider. Thank God. He's five years into his career. He's an established superhero. (laughs) And like you just kind of take off like a rock from this point where Spider-Man Miles Morales, it's more of a traditional hero's journey. Miles is inexperienced. He can make mistakes. He's learning who he can trust and who he can't trust. And good Lord, he takes the mask off. Like everybody knows who he is. It's crazy. And then lots... I kind of lost my train of thought there but I thought it was interesting that they had the foresight (laughs) in the original game that they didn't come in with Peter Parker as a new hero they saved that experience for Miles who's a younger Spider-Man I didn't have this in the show notes I'm just going to spring it on you guys where do you think Spider-Man goes from here Brian you don't have the stinger at the end of the first game to kind of tie them together but they have they have a very similar post credit scene in both games and Bernsey I'm just so interested to hear where you think this is going I would hope at this point. Now I'm not. I didn't play 2018, but I'm going to. Um, it's it's fortunate that the disc came with the remastered 2018, and with how much fun I had here, and knowing that in some ways this is much more of a bite-sized morsel than 2018 was. I want to see what the full meal looks like. I would hope. I would hope that Miles does not become an afterthought in the next installment of this. And if, if I can have my, my choice on the matter, if there is a way that you can play both characters in some capacity throughout this next narrative, I, that would be something that I would be looking forward to because Miles, I think, serves his own kind of purpose and he kind of carves out his own place with it. I mean, even just like him traveling through Harlem has his own feeling to it. And it's a feeling that is charming and fun and I didn't get a chance to say this, but the first night I played this, you guys, it is New Year's Eve. It is 11 o'clock at night, and my wife is like, honey, why don't you play a video game? I'm going to relax. Great. Kelsey passed out at 11.05. The next time I look at the clock, it is 4 a.m., <laughs> and I am still playing this thing by myself, and I'm like, holy shit, I just kind of tripped into 2021. <laughs> it, it catches you enough. It has its own kind of mystique to it, and I, I hope they view it as worth something carrying forward. They absolutely do. I was trying to set Burnsy up for a touchdown call there, but I think Brian kind of took it. I, When I first beat in 2018 with the post credit stinger, I thought they were setting it up to kill Peter Parker and make Miles the main character. I thought that was the next step. With this game coming out and Miles being the main character, now there's two Spider-Man games with two main protagonists. I think the future is a multiplayer Spider-Man game where you can play two players, each of you get a Spider-Man. Bernsey, your reaction to that? That would be interesting. So I wasn't thinking of it from that perspective. That would be really cool, though, to have it be a fully co-op Spider-Man where you could play either of the characters. 
I was going in the completely opposite direction where this is like GTA five Spider-Man where you're at one part of the city fighting this one thing. And then you have to hot swap over to miles in Harlem fighting this other thing. And you have to kind of go back and forth between them trying to sort of ward off this like bigger attack that's happening. That seems like it's going to probably be multiple supervillains. Um, if, like the end credit scenes are sort of pointing us in different directions. So I kind of like to see that. I would also like to see the co-op. I think that'd be a lot of fun sort of like tag teaming and how could you do tag team actions uh, with another player? I think that would be really cool. I'd also like to see if they start to bring in like spider Gwen, or do we get maybe another superhero mixed into the fold also and then maybe you're using using Spider-Gwen to start with and kind of doing your tutorial build up with that and then jumping back and forth between the different spider people. It's going to be really interesting to see how they do it. I don't think they're going to leave Miles behind. Like, I think it was very purposeful that this is Miles's development. Now he's on like an equal footing of Peter. So these two can fight the next bigger thing together. I'm, I'm positive that's what the next game's going to be, whether it's co-op or a single player where you're bouncing between the two characters. I'm really excited to see where it goes. Boy, you just gave me a great idea. What if they start, if they do introduce Spider-Gwen and now they start doing a three-year development cycle with a new Spider-Man game every year. <laughs> like Call, oh Call of Duty Spider-Man version? Supply yes. drops for Spider-Man incoming. <laughs> <laughs> question for you guys, though. So quick question. So knowing... The, the 2018 remaster was kind of like thrown in like, hey guys, we're incentivizing you to get this kind of like grandiose DLC. Because I do feel like Miles Morales, in some ways, is like a large-scale DLC. Is is the Miles Morales adventure, if you just look at it, say say the Miles Morales, instead of like 30 bucks, say it comes up for 40 If the Miles Morales DLC comes up for 40 bucks would you buy it? Do you think it's worth a $40 price tag? So... From a narrative perspective, I would say like this game was well worth it. Um, I, I think it, it was it was it was phenomenal for what it was. I, I, what I'm worried about, and like to looking at like the three games, one year development cycle, sort of alternating between kind of thing, is like this game. Like as I was talking about, was showing some cracks in some of the things that some of the systems don't work very well. The camera at times is a very big liability. Uh, the the movement uh, when you're on a wall or on a ceiling is 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 baffling sometimes, and I'd really like to see them really fine tune that stuff instead of getting too far over their skis and letting those things get worse and worse and worse as they try to do more and more things. Um, but I think this game lived up to like its price tag, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I had that fear about it just being a DLC and not being enough of experience. And like, there are aspects that I didn't like and I chose not to engage with them. But overall, I'm so thrilled that I play this. And so just like my mind is blown that it wasn't like my most anticipated PS5 game. It's, it's, the, it's the most beautiful from a fidelity standpoint game yeah. that I have played on the PS5. And I have Dark Souls 5. Um, I'm enjoying the hell out of that. But there is, it is, it is just a stunning experience and if you can get the chance to get that 3d audio so i have the pulse 3d headset um the fact that i can be in harlem on i'll sit on a lamp post i can close my eyes and i can tell you positionally where people are around me that is a wild ass thing video games are awesome dude 
Also, Demon Souls is really Dark Souls Zero, not Dark Souls Five. Oh though, my god, it? I was gonna say the same thing. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> noob. <laughs> Get good, Brian. Get good. My god, clo- you guys are mean. <laughs> my closing thought here on Spider-Man, like, I want, I want a story where Peter Parker dies. Like, I don't know why, because like, like Peter Parker is my favorite character in all of superhero lore, and like, Ooh. I think just because it would be such an emotional thing for me, and I, like, if they could pull it off well, that would have such an emotional impact. It would be like the Red Wedding with a character that I actually cared about. I don't know. I just think. <laughs> There's a big opportunity. I mean, I like Rob Stark fine, and that was a huge emotional gut punch in the book the first time. But, I mean, just I I can't see anything else having such an emotional payload for me as my favorite character getting killed in my favorite medium. Do you guys have any thoughts or reactions, or should I just turn off the lights and go home? No, the hard part with that is is, uh, is if if he dies, he has to stay dead. True. That is something. That is a, that is one of the things that Game of Thrones got right was the fact that when someone dies, it's a finality thing. Um, I own the death of Superman. It was crazy to see He's, him die. You should read and the then books, I have, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then so, and then when Superman dies, he's back in like a half a year, and that's 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 the problem. So, um, if if Peter stays dead, and to see the world without a Peter Parker, I would be I would be so interested in that. But then if they just jam him in coming back to save Helm's Deep at the end at the morning light, then no thanks, I'm out. Yeah. You guys want to rate this thing? I'm uh we didn't put a lot of thought into this. I'm just gonna do a straight up one to ten rating scale. I'm gonna give it a nine. Nine because there were like side stuff that I didn't particularly care to engage with. Um, but overall, I thought this game was phenomenal, and I think it is a must-play for anyone with like any superhero interest that has a PlayStation 5. So I'm going to rate it on a buy, wait for sale, uh, borrow, or don't buy scale, and I would say that this is a buy at its asking price. If you have a PS5 especially, um, I think it's, it's a showcase for that. Uh, on PS4, I think it's still worth it, especially if you liked the first game. Uh, so yeah, I would say buy it. Yeah, I agree. I'm a very thrifty gamer. This is a game I'd pay full price for on launch day and be just happy as a clam. Brian, what? where does this come in on your one pelican scale? I would say it's a standing one-legged pelican. Um, I appreciate the narrative. I appreciate the, 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 the just sensory overload from the game itself. But to sink that other foot into the water, they need to really pull back um, on some of like what I feel are tropes, particularly Simon. Um, as well as the gadgets were so completely worthless. And I'm looking forward to 2018 to see what real gadgets are like. Um, so I'm going to say a, a one-legged pelican. I give that uh, on a scale of one to purple, like an orange. It's an orange. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> That's going to do it for our discussion today, unless you guys have any burning, pressing, last, final thoughts on Spider-Man Miles Morales. I don't think so. I'm good. Thank you. Then for Brian and for Joey, thank you so much for listening to OIO New Game Plus. If you like this standalone segment of Outside is Overrated, please support Outside is Overrated on Patreon at patreon.com slash OIO. You can back the show for as little as $2 a month. We'll be back next month to talk about the medium. Until then, stay inside, kids. Balls. <laughs>